0: Before we unpack these 13 verses here in Revelation 8, let's quickly review what we know so that we can better understand where we are. After revealing himself to John in all of his majesty and glory in Revelation chapter 1, Jesus writes seven letters to seven churches in chapters 2 and 3. This is during the church age, the era in history in which we are in fact now living In chapters 4 and 5, the scene shifts from earth to heaven as Jesus comes to rapture his church prior to the beginning of the seven-year tribulation, an event that I think could happen at any moment now. With the beginning of the tribulation in chapter 6, the wrath and judgments of God begin to be unleashed on the earth as the first six seals are opened by the Lamb, Jesus Christ. These plagues, natural disasters, wars, famine, death, and destruction leave the earth quite a desolate place. Chapter 7 is a parenthetical chapter between the opening of the 6th and the 7th seals, and as we discovered, John sees two visions in this chapter, one of 144,000 Jewish Christian witnesses who will lead a great revival on the earth, and one of a great multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language in heaven, undoubtedly Jews and Gentiles who become Christians during the tribulation and who give their lives as martyrs for their faith. That brings us today to chapter 8, where more judgments will come as the seventh seal is opened, releasing then the seven trumpet judgments. When we get to the seventh trumpet in chapter 11, we'll find the sounding forth of the seven bowls of judgment to be poured out upon the earth. Now again, I would call attention to the chart the book of Revelation chart that we distributed at the beginning of this series of lessons. It clearly shows where we've been, where we are right now, and where we are headed. Extra charts are available back on the lobby table as well as on the little table over in the fellowship hall today. And for those of you who are streaming this audio or video of this series online on our Facebook or website pages, we'll be posting another copy of this chart online this afternoon just for you. In today's lesson, we're going to focus on the seventh seal and the first four Trumpets as we work our way through these verses in Revelation chapter 8, I think we can outline this chapter under three main headings. The first is the silent pause. The silent pause. Look again at Revelation 8 in verse 1. When he, that is the Lamb, Jesus, opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. That which is to be unveiled is so serious that it is preceded by a period of silence in heaven. Prior to this first verse in Revelation 8, it's been a cacophony of praise going on in heaven. Angels and elders and saints and living creatures all singing and shouting their praise to God. But all of that noise suddenly ceases. And there's absolute silence around the throne of God. Now, it's a pregnant silence, if you will, a strategic hush that is a foreshadowing of the solemn revelation that's about to be made. And during this silence, we get a glimpse of what's about to happen as in verse 2 it tells us, and I saw the seven angels who stand before God and seven trumpets were given to them And so it's not going to be silent very long. <laughs> trumpets are about to sound. Now in biblical tradition, trumpets were used for a variety of purposes. Sometimes they were used as a call to worship. Sometimes they were used as a call to war. Many times they were simply a warning, such as when Jesus returns, there will be a trumpet sound, Verse Thessalonians 4 and verse 16 tells us, or as in announcing these judgments that we're about to read about in today's text. But these trumpets are preceded by silence in heaven for about a half an hour, the silent pause. Which brings us to the second section of chapter 8. I call it the saint's prayer. The saint's prayers. Revelation chapter 8 verses 3 and 4 tells us another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people on the golden altar in front of the throne. The smoke of the incense together with the prayers of God's people went up before God from the angel's hand. This angel, acting as a priest, offers the prayers of all of God's people mixed together with incense upon the golden altar, which sits in the very front of the throne of God. This offering of incense and prayers then rises right into the very presence of God. What are these prayers, by the way? Well, they're We're told here that they're from all God's people. That would include, I think, us. But it certainly includes the prayers that were offered by the martyrs that we studied back in Revelation 6 and verse 10, where they cried out to God, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood. And so it would appear that the offering of these prayers at the very time that the trumpet judgments begin would make these judgments an answer to the martyr's prayers. And so the trumpet judgments begin as we read in verse 5. Then the angel took the center, filled it with fire from the altar, and hurled it upon the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. The saints' prayers. Which brings us to the third section of chapter 8, and that's the sinner's punishment. The sinner's punishment Revelation 8 and verse 6 tells us, then the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to sound them. And the balance of chapter 8 focuses on the sounding of the first four of these trumpets. So let's take a look at each of these trumpet judgments. There's the first trumpet, a third of the trees and all the grass. Look again at verse 7. The first angel sounded his trumpet and there came hail and fire mixed with blood and it was hurled down upon the earth. A third of the earth was burned up, a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. Now as we begin to unpack these trumpet judgments, it again raises the question, should we interpret these visions in Revelation literally or symbolically. For instance, Walter Scott, one of the great commentators on Revelation, with whom I agree with most of the time, (laughs) sees the content of this first trumpet symbolically. He interprets the trees and the grass as only symbols. He views the third of the trees as the leaders of the confederations of the nations, and he views the green grass as all people in general. Now, i got to admit, I'm a little bit puzzled at how he arrives at these interpretations based upon trees and grass. My question is, when we approach such descriptive terms in the book of Revelation, how do we know when to interpret them symbolically instead of literally? Especially since they're no more far-fetched than the plagues upon Egypt described in the book of Exodus, which we interpret Literally. My conclusion is that we must interpret the effects of these judgments literally unless there is a compelling reason to do otherwise. And the sheer awfulness or the unusual nature of these judgments, that's not such a reason. While hail and fire mixed with blood is a terrifying reality to consider, we have already learned that the Great Tribulation is going to be just that, a terrifying reality. And so with no compelling reason to interpret this first trumpet judgment, as anything but literal. Let's just let verse 7 speak for itself, shall we? There came hail and fire mixed with blood. It was hurled down upon the earth. A third of the earth was burned up. A third of the trees were burned up. All the green grass was burned up. That's the first trumpet. A third of the trees and all the grass. Which brings us then to the second trumpet. A third of the sea life and a third of the ships. Notice verses 8 and 9. The second angel sounded his trumpet, and something like a huge mountain all ablaze was thrown into the sea. A third of the sea turned to blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Now, while we have no record of something like a huge mountain all ablaze ever being thrown into the ocean in all of recorded history, that doesn't mean that it won't or it can't happen in the future. When John says something like, it tells us that he's trying to describe something that he himself did not completely understand. Many things will happen during the great tribulation which have never before happened in the history of the world. Therefore, we should not be surprised at our own shock at some of the things that we're reading about here in Revelation. Whatever it may be that John saw in his vision here, the result of this second trumpet judgment is very devastating. I mean, think about it with me. A third of the sea turned to blood. Now, if we do the math here, 75% of the earth's surface is covered by our oceans and seas. A third of that would mean then that 25%, a full quarter of the earth's surface has now turned to blood. The health of the oceans has a dramatic trickle-down effect on the health of our entire planet, doesn't it? Then there's a third of the living creatures in the sea that died. Just think of the pollution. The death of the fish and the sea creatures. Not to mention the resulting loss of food for the human race. And then a third of the ships were destroyed. Now, I did a little research on this one. As of January 2021, there were 53,716 registered ocean-going ships on our Earth's oceans. Now, imagine the shock that will hit the shipping industry when 17,905 of these valuable ships are suddenly destroyed along with their crews and all their cargo. Since many of these ships will be transporting oil and weapons and other chemicals and pollutants, imagine the impact that such destruction will have on our ecosystem. The second trumpet. A third of the sea life and a third of the ships. That brings us to the third trumpet. A third of the water supply poisoned. Look again at verses 10 and 11, Revelation 8. The third angel sounded his trumpet and a great star blazing like a torch fell from the sky on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters turned bitter and many people died from the waters that had become bitter. Now the judgment of this third trumpet affects one of the most basic needs for sustaining life. Water. It's been said human beings can go without food for up to 40 days, but without water for only three days. Therefore, many alive on planet Earth during this part of the tribulation will in fact die as a result of the water supply being poisoned. John calls the source of this calamity wormwood, which, by the way, is a reference to a plant that grows in Bible lands that has an extremely bitter and strong taste. The book of Jeremiah, for instance, is filled with references to wormwood to illustrate the bitter time of suffering that the residents of Jerusalem experienced when Babylon laid siege to the city. John clearly says the cause of this calamity is a great star, or what we would identify, I think, as a meteor or an asteroid falling from the sky. In some way, it impacts a third of the freshwater rivers and lakes and the springs of the earth, making the waters unfit for drinking. Now, Interesting that in our history, it records a great volcanic eruption in March 1823 on the Aleutian Islands that did the very same thing. It caused all of the water in those islands to become bitter and poison. Something like that's going to happen again, we're told. In the tribulation. And whatever the chemical nature of this contamination, the end result will be that a third of the waters turned bitter and many people died from the waters. The third trumpet, a third of the water supply poisoned. That brings us, of course, then to the fourth trumpet, a third of the sun, moon, and stars darkened. We read in verse 12, The fourth angel sounded his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them turned dark. A third of the day was without light, and also a third of the night. Now, this judgment is just bizarre. Let's just say it as it is. The sun, moon, and stars will be affected in such a way that a third of them will have their normal functions and apparently even their orbits changed. A third of them turned dark. A third of the day was without light. Also a third of the night. Does that mean that someone who is living on the earth during this time would see that a third of the sun was blacked out or a third of the moon was blacked out? Or does that mean that eight hours of each day are somehow removed? That four hours of daylight and four hours of moonlight so that each day is now only sixteen hours long? Or, what does this mean? Only God knows for sure. (laughs) But it'll be just plain bizarre. And the rhythm of life Think about this with me. The rhythm of life that for all of history has been governed by the sun, the moon, and the stars is going to be thrown completely off kilter. Wow. The fourth trumpet, a third of the sun, moon, and stars darkened All of that is the sinner's punishment in chapter 8. A third of all the trees and the grass burned up, a third of the sea life and ships destroyed, a third of the water supply poisoned, a third of the sun, moon, and stars darkened. And that's only the first four trumpet judgment. I mean, how could it possibly get any worse than this? I am so glad that you asked. (laughs) Let's read the last verse of chapter 8. Revelation 8 and verse 13. Let's read this out loud together. As I watched, I heard an eagle that was flying in midair call out in a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the trumpet blast about to be sounded by the other three angels. Ooh. If you think these first four trumpet judgments are horrible, just wait for the next three. Believe it or not, the worst is yet to come. As we continue our verse-by-verse study through the book of Revelation, we will see in ensuing lessons the woes of the locust and of the Euphrates horsemen, of the plagues that are released by the two witnesses in Jerusalem, and of the gradual handing over of the earth to the worship of the beast, or the Antichrist, and his false prophet. Yes, the worst is yet to come. All of which leads us to our final main point today, and that is the simple point. <laughs> the simple point. What's the point of today's lesson? I think it's pretty simple. Whatever else we may take away from Revelation chapter 8, the simple point is this fill in the blanks there in your notes. We want to witness these judgments from heaven, not from earth. <laughs> believe me, we want to witness these judgments from heaven, not from earth. The truth is we're all going to witness these seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls of God's wrath and judgment in the future, but we have a choice as to where we will witness them, heaven or here on earth. Either we will be with the saints in heaven with Christ as these judgments are unleashed or we'll be with the sinners on earth with the Antichrist as these judgments are unleashed. And the choice is yours. You can decide today, right now, where, Whether you will be safely and securely in heaven watching these tribulation events from afar or whether you will be on the earth actually experiencing these horrible judgments in person. And what determines our location, heaven or earth, for these judgments? It all hinges on our relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus himself made that point so very simple. In in John 14 and verse 6, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one, don't miss that, no one comes to the Father except through me. The Apostle John wrote, who wrote the book of Revelation, by the way, he wrote in 1 John 5, verses 11 and 12. In fact, let's read these two verses out loud together. Would you read them with me? God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Now, does it get any clearer than that? The one and only way To get to heaven is through a personal relationship with Jesus. The one and only way to experience eternal life is found in God's Son, Jesus. It's all about your relationship with Jesus Christ. And the simple point of today's lesson is this. We want to witness these judgments from heaven, not here on this earth. And the way to assure that you'll do just that is to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as the Savior and the Lord of your life. And the way that you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ is as simple as A-B-C. A, acknowledge your sin and your need of a Savior. B, believe in Jesus Christ alone and His finished work on the cross to save you. And C, confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and follow Him with your life in loving obedience. If you're ready to make that kind of a life-changing commitment to Jesus Christ, you can do that right now. In fact, I want us to just pray this prayer Together, I'm going to invite all of us to pray this out loud together. Would you pray this with me? Lord, I admit that I am a sinner. I need and want your forgiveness. I accept your death as the penalty for my sin and recognize that your mercy and grace is a gift you offer to me because of your great love, not based on anything I have done. Cleanse me and make me your child. By faith I receive you into my heart as the Son of God and as Savior and Lord of my life. From now on, help me live for you with you in control. In your precious and powerful name, amen. A study in the book of Revelation. Today we've studied the seventh seal and the first four trumpets from Revelation chapter 8. Our next lesson in this series will focus on Revelation 9 verses 1 through 12 and a lesson I've entitled The Fifth Trumpet, Hell on Earth, Part 1. It's going to be two parts. Don't want to miss it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today and just for the simple instruction of your word. Thank you that you've given us a choice. We don't even have to be here when any of this stuff happens. What a marvelous, grace-filled choice you've given us that you would allow us to be in your presence while all this stuff's happening during the tribulation here on this earth. We can be safe and secure in your eternal presence forever. Not even having to worry about any of this, this harsh and unbelievable judgment that's going to take place upon this earth. So Lord, I pray for anyone today who needs to make that commitment we just prayed about, about their relationship with Jesus Christ. Because that's what it all hinges on. Do we know Him? Is He the Savior and the Lord of our lives? Lord, if someone needs to make that commitment, would they do that right now? If someone prayed that prayer maybe for the first time today and they meant that with all their heart, let them know that You, Lord Jesus, have saved them. And we rejoice in that decision they've made. Now make us conscious of those around us who don't know You. Those who aren't here today, family members, friends, neighbors people in the Springville community who so desperately need to be saved and many of them don't even know they're lost they're just going through the motions of their lives and this crazy mixed up sinful world that we live in today and they're not even aware of the destruction to which they are headed oh God give us a sense of urgency and we cry out for the salvation of the lost today. Would you gather souls from the north and the south and the east and the west and draw them to yourself, draw them to salvation before it's too late and whatever we need to do to speak up, that we would have the courage to do that, to share with them how they too can know for sure that they were going to go to heaven. It's all about a relationship with you, Jesus. Thank you for being my Savior and my Lord. Thank you, Lord. We pray it in your precious and powerful name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.